Welcome to Big Skywriter, the podcast for storytellers of all shapes and sizes. Whether you write novels, teach classes, or just tell your friends what you did last weekend, if you're a storyteller, this podcast is for you. Here's the host of Big Sky Writer, Clint Morey. Thank you, Mark, and thank you for dropping by to listen. Now, as a storyteller, I'm always looking at society and paying attention to how we as people interact with one another. And being old, I have the, I've had the opportunity to watch our society change over the decades. Today, we live in a culture that claims to embrace diversity. But from my vantage point, I see a culture that encourages people to put up walls. Walls of race, walls of language, walls of religion, walls of status, walls of wealth, walls of appearance, walls of culture, walls of one politically correct idea after another. And these walls keep us from truly connecting with one another. Now, as I look back on my childhood, and yes, I know it was a long time ago, I was in that last generation of Americans that was raised in a school system that actually taught the story that was known as America is a Melting Pot. Now, if you're not familiar with the Melting Pot story, it taught that America was a place where everyone who was here came from somewhere else, bringing different cultures, languages, backgrounds, dreams. But after they arrived, they sought to become this thing called an American. And many who came here had an initial struggle fitting into society, uh, Italians, Irish, Chinese, Jews, Swedish, and so on, and so on, and so on. But often by the second generation, certainly by the third generation, they had become a part of American culture. And the result was a fascinating mix, a melting pot of people who had become Americans. And I was taught America was richer because of all these different people. And as the immigrants struggled to learn the language, history, and values of this new land, something their children often did quite quickly, they adopted the dreams, the hopes, and the goals of this new place. They truly became Americans. And that was a story I was taught in my elementary school classrooms in Los Angeles. And I bought into that story. It impacted my worldview, the way I saw other people, what I felt about my country, how I interacted with people who were different from me. But the question is, was it a true story? Well, sort of, but not completely. It didn't deal very well with Native Americans, many of whom had been cordoned off into reservations rather than being truly allowed to uh, incorporate themselves into the culture. And it certainly didn't deal with the societal and legal discrimination against blacks who had been here for many generations and who still weren't a fully accepted part of American society even when I was growing up. I think that's one of the reasons Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech resonated so well in my mind. The dream he shared was right. It was something to be pursued. Now, it, I think it fit into the melting pot story that I had been taught, 
We all deserved to have equal rights and equal opportunities based on our abilities and talents and values, not the color of our skin or our family origins. We all needed to become Americans. Now, before I tell you any more, I want to give you a little side note. My brother and I were raised by our grandmother, but often on weekends we would spend time with our dad. Now, I remember a couple of times when we came to visit, there was someone living in the house, and we learned that he would take in people who had escaped from communism, and they would stay with him until they could get on their feet, learn the language, get a job, get settled in on their road to becoming an American. I particularly remember a Hungarian refugee who became a good friend. Another was a Cuban refugee who had known his aunt from years earlier. Now these, and I'll call them foreigners from now, just because they spoke different languages and came from different countries, but they interacted with us. And I can remember uh, as a child, I loved it. I still remember going to a big party of Hungarian refugees. It was a lot of fun. The point I want to make is growing up, I didn't really consider other people's ethnicity being a point of separation between us. If anything, I thought being different was good. Now, I just pulled out my high school yearbook and checked it. It's been a long time since I've done that. We had whites, Hispanics, Asians, Middle Eastern kids. There were only a few blacks in our school, but that's because of the makeup of our community. The fact is, however, we had a diverse group of people, but I didn't realize it in the time, at the time. Not because I was stupid or naive, although you might be able to argue that on other matters, but I didn't realize it because someone's ethnicity just was not an issue. The people I went to school with from whatever backgrounds, we were friends. We played together. We studied together. We partied together. Uh, I remember one friend whose family had moved to L.A. from New York, and he transferred into our high school and joined our cross-country team. Uh, we would work out. We would compete. We had fun. Uh, and I loved his New York accent. I was always trying to get him to say something in a sentence that had the words oil and all in it. Because the sounds were absolutely indistinguishable to someone with a Los Angeles ear. And I can still remember one day during practice that he took me aside and he asked me, why are all of you so nice to me? I didn't understand his question. And then he explained he was Puerto Rican. And in New York, that meant he was hated by people who weren't from his group. Being in the wrong part of town or hanging around the wrong group of people at his school was not just uncomfortable, it could be dangerous. And I had a difficult time understanding the world that he described. But then I began noticing in our society, as we focused on diversity, we also began to separate from one another. Now, I remember when I went into the Army, we arrived at the induction center, and trust me, we were a very diverse group of civilians, ethnicities, cultures, appearances, hippies, anti-war people, pro-war people, all kinds of people. This was the age of the draft, and we had every race and background and idea you could imagine. Now, the first thing the Army did 
was to give us a haircut. And that kind of made us look somewhat alike. And then they gave us some color-coordinated clothing, all of which happened to be green. And that made us look even more alike. And finally, and I think this was the key, we were forced to live together 24-7 for two months. We worked together. We studied together. We learned how to throw hand grenades together. We learned how to go through gas uh, attacks together. We learned how to do the rear strangle, take down hold together. Fortunately, I never had to put that one into practice. We marched. We shot. We turned left. We learned how to salute all of this together. We slept in the same building. We took showers in the same shower places. We cleaned bathroom stalls together. Everything was together. And over the course of time, and it didn't take long, really just a couple of weeks, our differences that were so noticeable before we came in the army were broken down. And it wasn't long before we began to interact with each other as people. Um, we had people who were drafted, people who joined up, people who were anti-war, people who were from military families, people who wanted to become lifers in the military, and we had people who wanted to do anything in order to get out of the military. I remember one of the members of my basic training union unit had graduated from college. It was the same college that I had been attending, and he wasn't worried about going to Vietnam because he already had his assignment. He was going to play in the band at West Point for the next four years. Another one of the members of my basic training unit had been given a choice by a judge to either go to jail or join the Army. He chose the Army. Like I said, we were a diverse group of people. Now, we did bring our backgrounds with us. I remember walking guard duty one night. We called it Firewatch. After an hour of walking around the barracks... I went to wake up the next person in line to take his shift. He was on the top bunk, so I tapped him on the shoulder. The next thing I knew, his fist was within a fraction of an inch of my nose. Now, he apologized profusely and explained that he was Puerto Rican and he never knew when he was woken up at night if it was a friend or a fight, and he had to be ready to fight. Whoa, this brought back memories of my friend in high school and uh, I began to understand the world that he came from. But I have to admit, the next time I woke him up, I would get down low on the first bunk and reach up to touch him on the shoulders. Now, my point in sharing about this is, I don't think I ever thought about race or color or background. We were trainees getting ready for war. Now, we had great discussions during our breaks, and we got to know each other as people. Um, you didn't just throw out an idea and call anyone who disagreed with you stupid. <laughs> we had too much time together to do that. Uh, you might throw out an idea and then someone would ask you a question about it or disagree with you. And you ended up having incredible discussions. Sometimes it would last for hours and over several days. I have to say it. I loved that aspect of basic training. I got to become friends with people I never would have interacted with in my normal world. Now, does that mean I think everyone should be drafted and have to go through the experience? Well, actually, I believe in the draft, but I don't think it should be necessary in order to foster decent relationships with other people. 
we should be able to interact with one another. But it's difficult when we emphasize diversity to the point that it becomes a wall to separate us rather than an exciting wall to bring us together and share our backgrounds. It's also difficult when we advocate safe spaces where we refuse to hear anything other than what we believe right now. I think that's one of the reasons Martin Luther King's statement meant so much to me. In his speech, he said, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. That is a great thought. I would just encourage you. Um, you don't have to buy into the melting pot story that I was taught, although I like it. But I would encourage you to seek to get to really know one another. Look beyond those diversity walls that keep us from really interacting with one another and get to know people. Now, before I go, I'd like to share a blessing with you from the Old Testament. May the Lord bless and protect you. May the Lord's face radiate with joy because of you. May he be gracious to you, show you his favor, and give you his peace. Until the next time, be the reason someone smiles today. Music